0: Hey, thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. To unlock the extended, ad-free, full episode, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Now on with the show. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown to get a free audiobook. And stay tuned for my book recommendation. That's audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. Now, on to the show. Hey, welcome to the Create Unknown. I am Kevin Lieber. With me, as always, is Matthew Tabor, and we're bringing something back. And that thing that we're bringing yeah. back is this, Matt. Tell me
1: something. This one is a two-parter, okay? Uh, first, I've been I've been working behind your back. Whoa! Yeah. It, it, I, I've done something that you don't know about. I procured a, a sponsor for the Create Unknown, and that sponsor is is Eagle Brand Sardines. the create unknown is sponsored by eagle brand sardines
0: now what is that and how is that possible and are am i going to have to do ad reads for sardines now
1: maybe maybe but it's possible because i just decided to do it they've been out of business for a while so what i'm gonna (laughs) tell
0: So it's really more like a, a charity to something that doesn't exist more so than a, a brand deal that will help the podcast at all.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, so the, the last U.S. sardine cannery went out of business in 2010. That was owned by Bumblebee. It was in Maine. Maine for, for years and like uh, peaking in the 50s was a sardine haven. They were like Fifty canneries of sardines back in that era, um, but regulations on on the fishing of herring made it tougher to to produce sardines, and so the companies started to shift uh, and shut down things like that. But Eagle Brand was uh, Eagle was the first one that opened in the 1800s. Uh, so so anyway, I was out shopping for the the patrons uh, on Patreon, and I came across this big thing of Eagle Brand patches. I'm like, oh this is pretty rad. These are old. Uh, Eagle hasn't been around in a long time. Uh, so I'm like, okay, uh, now they're the official sardine of the Create Unknown. But did you know, you you know think, whoa,
0: wait, wait. Did you know about Eagle brand sardines before you saw these patches? Yeah, I knew they existed. Um,
1: I knew the company existed. How? I, I, my dad used to eat sardines. Oh, okay. Uh, it was like the can in the, in the cupboard that I never touched. I looked at, it, I'm like, oh, that's what we're going to have to eat like when World War Three hits and there's no more food, like that'll be the last thing you eat before, like you start looking at the dog and cat funny. You know? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, so yeah, I, I'd, I'd heard of it. Um, but then I, I started reading up again on on sardines and I was thinking about what Destin told us about the, the woman uh, with like plucking the mistake Ho-Ho's or Little Debbie's off yes. the line. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, on the last day of uh, the last cannery being open, uh, these two women packed like 5,200 cans of sardines in 195 minutes. Like that's flying. I mean, that's a lot of sardine packing in three hours. Wait, why did they do that so quickly just to get them out so they could clothes? I don't understand. From what I understood, they were paid uh, like a base rate and then based on productivity. Uh, So so kind of like getting a a wage as a server and then getting tips on top. So the more sardines you packed, the more money you made per hour. Right, right, right.
0: right. I've watched a little bit of Undercover Boss and a lot of the factories work that way. Yeah, you get productivity bonuses. So you try to get things done as quickly as possible. I want to talk more about sardines now, though, because... My grandpa liked sardines Mm -hmm. and that was it. That was not like a delicacy that was passed down to my father. And, you know, it ended with my grandpa and it sounds like it ended with everybody's grandpa. Like why, why Mm -hmm. was sardines a thing and why is it no longer a thing is my new question. Well,
1: they were really cheap. I mean, I remember them being on sale for like two or three cans for a dollar when it was really good. And... I bought some a couple months ago because I wanted to see if if uh, my cat would eat sardines. And it was like it was like $1.89 for a can at Walmart. So like I should have invested in sardines when the price was still low. But now we have we have a sardine, an official sardine of the create unknown. And you say that you want to keep talking about sardines. Everybody does. Everybody wants to talk about sardines until the end of time. And that's exactly the kind of thing that we talk about in the discord. Like we had... We had uh, like a good hour with like a dozen people talking about weird food, uh, old food, like the oldest thing that they'd ever eaten.
0: So so you, you've been talking about sardines in the Discord or just weird food? Yeah. All of it.
1: Weird food, the oldest thing that you've ever eaten, the hottest thing, like there's a hot sauce discussion and like whether uh, some of the, the metrics on hotness uh, are valid. It, like we really got into food science, which was pretty cool. Um, but, but what's the oldest and weirdest thing that you've ever eaten? That's my question.
0: Oldest as in it's probably past its expiration and
1: I shouldn't be eating it. Yeah. Yeah. Or if it was canned, I mean, the shelf life on that stuff is like decades. So you could eat something that was canned before you were born and it's going to be fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I don't recall ever eating anything that was oddly old. Um, but I do want to ask you. Did you eat any of the sardines that you bought for your cat or no? Because I, you weren't even like curious to try them because no. I don't know what they're like. But they're yeah. like notoriously no, I really,
1: yeah.
0: uh, kind of panned as being like a disgusting thing. Like I remember as a kid, was it the Ninja Turtles? But there always was this kind of meme or trope that like getting sardines on your pizza. Like now the, ent- the meme is is pineapple. Yeah. Oh, it's it's anchovies. Okay. Yeah. All right. This is just becoming like a small fish podcast. But what is the difference between anchovies and sardines? They're just it's just um, a different might, fish.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's a regional thing or what. I mean, like I know that sardines are effectively attached to to herring fishing. I'm not sure on on anchovies, um, but I will find out. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that, that's how we'll start the next Tell Me Something, is uh, you discerning the difference in, and the uh, intricacies of anchovies and sardines. Two things that I feel are, are very popular in pop culture as being like gross, yeah. stinky, nasty food, but I've never encountered them. Aside from, like I said, I remember as a kid, my grandpa eating them and my mom telling me like, ugh, like... Like, you know, Pop-Pop loves (laughs) sardines on crackers (laughs) or whatever it is, but it's really gross. I'm like, and
1: now I want to try it, like, genuinely. They're really inelegant, like, to eat. Watching somebody eat sardines is horrifying to me. Like, it's, (laughs) you know, the the comedy side of it is an old cartoon. Like, do you remember Heathcliff and how he ate fish out of the garbage and stuff? And he'd, like, you know, drip the bone down and, or drip the fish down, like, out comes the bone. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but like you don't even do that with sardines. You just eat the whole thing. Uh, Like Gollum eats fish, like raw fish (laughs) and (laughs) eats the bones and stuff like that's who you are. When you eat sardines, you're basically like a higher functioning Gollum. You eat the bones? Yeah, I mean, they're really little. They're, you know, two inches long and super thin. So, yeah, you just pop the whole thing in your mouth. Um, I'm going to buy some and
0: and I'm going to look, I'm going to get some. And I'm going to crack open the can and I'm going to eat one in an episode in a future podcast. And we'll just go especially because
1: now we're officially sponsored by Eagle brand sardines. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Officially sponsored by a thing that uh, went out of business. What? uh, Nine years ago. Uh, I, I don't know when Eagle went out, but the last one in the United States went out in 2010. Yeah. But that's this is what goes on. In the Discord, is talking about this stuff. And by the way, I have I have a bunch of these uh, I have a bunch of these Eagle Brand pieces of memorabilia. So if you want to join the Sardine Gang, uh, the <laughs> anybody who signs up on on uh, Patreon uh, will get I will I will mail you an Eagle Brand official TCU Sardine Gang patch. I have the North Lubeck, which is an offshoot of Eagle. North Lubick sardines. Yeah. Or the more traditional Eagle brand sardines patch. This is good stuff. You can't find this anywhere else. Anyone,
0: no matter what tier that signs Mm -hmm. up is going to get a sardine patch. I assuming
1: until... Until I run out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I
1: have enough to... I have enough to give every current patron, which is is sizable. I I have enough to give every current patron and uh, a passel more. So I'll leave it to you to decide how many are in a passel. (laughs) So now we have the we already have the baby gang. Now we have the sardine gang. Well, the the sardine gang is unofficial. You know, so it's like it's like asking somebody if they went to uh, like a music festival or something like the way our parents like, oh, were you at Woodstock? Or now it's like, did you go to Burning Man or Coachella or something like that? It's it's sort of like that. It's like, hey, like, were you in the Patreon like to be part of the Sardine Gang? You know what? When these patches run out, you won't be. The door slams shut on the Sardine Gang, hard and fast. There's only one. There's only yeah. one way to get on the right side of that door, and and to live the Sardine life. Well, this is all this is all news to me.
0: I had no idea when I woke up this morning that I was going to commit to eating sardines, and that (laughs) I would somehow be involved in creating a sardine gang. So I'm really excited (laughs) about both of those things. Uh, There are a few topics that I did plan on talking about, Uh, and the big topic that we, we want to get into is something that I've wanted to discuss for a really long time, and I don't know exactly how to boil it down into a sentence, but it's this idea of achieving success and what you do kind of once you get to the top of that mountain mm-hmm. whether you continue to to grind when you 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 continue to swick, sw- uh, swing your pickaxe from side to side you know mining for <laughs> yes. diamonds or you you just lay back mm-hmm. and chill and enjoy the fruits of your labor and i think that we have a lot of examples not only on YouTube, but just in celebrity, pop culture, et cetera, of people doing it different ways. And that really fascinates me as a part of just this podcast in general, exploring creativity Mm -hmm. and kind of Mm -hmm. what happens once you have sort of seen the peak of your goals and dreams and creative vision Achieved?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it's like now. Yeah, I think it's that question of like, <laughs> what do you do when you reach the top of Mount Everest? Like, oh, do you just like come back down? <laughs> like, you know, it's like in the the South Park episode where they they build up all the experience killing boars, playing World Warcraft, and then they eventually defeat the the guy. And it's like, what do you want to do now? And they're like, oh, well, well now we can play the game. Um, so it, there's an element of that where you get you reach a good point. Uh, whatever that is, that point of success is, whether it's like really doing well or just being able to do this thing day after day. Um, Do you orchestrate your climb back down the mountain? Do you just jump off the mountain? Uh, Do you camp out on top for a while? Uh, You know, what do you do? And I think people do it a lot of different ways.
0: Yeah, and the the reason that it really popped up well, it it kind of like re-emerged in my consciousness because Nicki Minaj just recently tweeted that she's retiring to start a family, to focus on a family. Like she is no longer going to make music or tour or music videos or do any of that stuff. She says she's done and she's going to have a family and she's going to focus on that and her personal life. And some of some of the re, uh, response to that was really supportive, mm-hmm. really happy for her, which personally I thought was nice to see, but some of it was, was really not. Some of it was really kind of like, uh negative, like you're quitting sort of attitude. And yeah. that rubbed me the wrong way. Like, like, and look, I don't know much about Nicki Minaj. I'm, it's not,
1: I don't believe you. I don't believe you. You don't believe me? I don't. I don't. I think that, uh, the walls we can't see, we see one wall in this room you're in the walls that we can't see. I think, I think are Nicki Minaj posters, at least filling up one wall. (laughs) Do people still buy posters like that? Um, I don't know if they do, but I feel like you had them custom printed like at Kinko's. Like you went there, you went there with a, like a USB drive, a thumb drive, and you're like, here are my favorites. Make them as big and clear as you can because I have a wall to fill of Nicki Minaj because that's who I am.
0: Well, when quick aside, it, it just reminded me. When I, was a, <laughs> when I was a kid a million years ago and the internet was new, I was really excited about the fact that I could print – like I could find pictures of mm-hmm. Ken Griffey Jr. and print them at the school library – And then I could like scotch tape these pictures of Ken Griffey Jr. to my notebooks. Like that is such a boomer thing thinking about it now. But at the time, like literally I'm talking about dot matrix with the holes on the side and really loud printer and just the concept of being able to look up pictures of your heroes and print them out and have them
1: what everybody just heard from you is, is basically the same as if like a caveman came out of ice and he's like, let me tell you about the first time I realized I could take this brightly colored rock and scratch a painting in my head on the walls of my cave. (laughs) You're like, Oh, that's interesting. but That's very, very old and doesn't apply to my life anymore.
0: I love thinking uh... about
1: that stuff though. I I love thinking about
0: like the first person to use an umbrella. Mm. You know what mm. I mean? They're just like, wait, I don't have to get wet anymore. If I hold this thing over my head, mm. that will stop the rain from falling on me. That seems like a, like, a, like a big deal. There
1: had to be a first person to eat a sardine where they pull this little <clears throat> tiny fish out and they're like, this is too little for me to cook. I don't know what to do. I, you know, I'm just going to swallow this whole raw and see what happens. Somebody did that, and then somebody else thought, "Oh, these are so good. How can I put eighteen of these in a can so that uh, I can carry them with me wherever I go uh, in case I need a snack?"
0: Everything comes back to sardines. Well, it, it, at some that's point. the
1: deference that you have to give to your sponsor. And I know we we promise patrons ad free episodes, but you're never going to not hear about Eagle Brand. Sorry, no, Kevin. You're never.
0: I know now, now it's just, everything is about Eagle brand sardines. Well, I wanted
1: to say though, a bit back to your topic about the disappointment that people expressed in the criticism, uh, on, on Nicki Minaj retiring. That also was a, a big deal a couple of weeks ago when Andrew Luck announced his retirement. And in that case, oh, and in that was case- doubly nuts to me because he, he pretty much said, I've put in my time. My body is destroyed. I'm about to die Do you mind if I go home and like be able to live a normal life? Uh, Which it's one thing if it's a creative grind that's really wearing you out. And it's something else if you wake up and you're like an inch away from collapsing because your body doesn't work. Um, You'd think it would be really easy to understand why he was doing this. But Twitter was full of people that's like, wow, you took your millions out of the NFL and... Uh, left your team high and dry you're the worst person alive I'm like okay
0: i'm really glad you brought that up cuz that totally slipped my mind that was that was really shocking mm-hmm. because yeah you're talking about a guy who literally has been getting pummeled for a living yes.
1: for yes. his entire adult life and for how many and years before he was doing it for a living like he probably started playing football like seven or something. And so he's been taking hits. He took, he took hits for 15 years before he even made a dollar from. it.
0: Yeah. Then meanwhile, somebody like, I think it was Doug Gottlieb created some snarky tweet about it being like the most millennial thing ever that he didn't want to like rehab anymore of his endless slew of I'm sure incredibly painful injuries that have, you know, a normal uh, average person suffered one of them. I can't even imagine the amount of rehab that that guy has
1: gone through. But you're right. I think the disappointment and the criticism is the same between those two, though, whether it's it's a sports thing or whether it's Nicki Minaj just saying, I've done my creative thing. I need to stop that at least for a while.
0: Well, that was the first thing that I wanted to ask you, because when is it enough? At some point, and maybe it's never enough to a lot of people, but at Mm -hmm. some point, at least from my perspective, I look at somebody like Andrew Luck or Nicki Minaj and I say, you've given millions of people a lot of value and a lot of enjoyment yeah. and a lot of happiness. I'm sure like Nicki's music has gotten millions of people through like a lot of, you know, tough yeah. situations or help them come to terms with whatever, whatever it is, you know, music has really profound effect on people. And same thing with, with Andrew Luck, just giving people just sheer entertainment for years and years and years, giving up his body, sacrificing his physical health. I mean, we don't even need to get into the brain damage that these football Mm -hmm. players are going through with this, this CTE.
1: The non-damage, sorry, I thought, I thought you were done. The CTE
0: well, well, yeah, like CTE, we don't really even know anything about other than it's just starting to, to rise to the surface mm-hmm. that a lot of these football players are just straight up brain damage mm-hmm. for life just from playing football. Yeah.
1: Um, e- even the non, the non, like the things that people don't think of as difficult are still a really difficult thing. So with athletes, um, y- you can't just eat what you want, for example that actually completely sucks. It really sucks when you have to be active to a certain degree and you have to eat a certain diet. Like, that's a major sacrifice to make that people take for granted. And I mean, when if somebody says like, Oh, if you can get a million dollar contract or sell out uh, shows the way Nicki Minaj does, or you know have the deals that she's got, and all you have to do is is you know not eat trashy food. It doesn't sound like it's that hard, but that kind of thing completely wears on you after a while. And if anybody, uh, if anybody listening has done like any sports thing, especially, um, you know, they they know what it's like when you're trying to keep in shape for something. Man, it sucks when you can't just like go to Taco Bell when you want. Uh, you can't just eat a pizza. You can't just eat a bunch of sardines. So it's uh, it's really a thing. It's a thing that matters. And, you know, these people have put in a lot of time. Um, so I I don't particularly care whether Nicki Minaj continues to make music or not. That's not so much my thing, but I look at it and think she can do what she wants.
0: She definitely you know, can like, do what she wants. The the, yeah. the, the real quick, the, the thing about like not being able to eat what you want. Re, I don't know why I remember this, but sometimes you just, things just stick in your memory. And I think it was because it shocked me so much. Anyway, <laughs> a long time ago, like in the nineties, Cindy Crawford went on the Rosie O'Donnell show and Rosie O'Donnell had like a daytime talk show, you know, like Ellen or whatever. And on the Rosie O'Donnell show, you know, Rosie O'Donnell obviously is not somebody who is known for watching her, her weights. That wasn't part of her job. She's a comedian. Okay. However, Cindy Crawford, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was Cindy Crawford is somebody whose looks were her job. That's why yes, yeah. she was famous. She was a supermodel. Anyway, Rosie O'Donnell tried to convince Cindy Crawford to eat a Twinkie on the show. Okay. One Twinkie. And it became this huge. I mean, I'm sure, look, the way that these shows go, they talk about this stuff beforehand. You know, it, it was part of the show, right? Like, I'm not naive yeah. to the fact that this was part of, <laughs> <laughs> of the show like that. But. <laughs> Just the concept that Cindy Crawford would be freaking out that her personal trainer, I remember her saying this, like her personal trainer was going to get mad at her if she mm. ate a single Twinkie was shocking to me watching this for, for some reason. I don't know why <laughs> I was watching this, but it just stuck in my memory. Though, like, Oh, these people whose job it is to look good. This is a daily concern of theirs to like literally not take a bite of cake because it could mess up, you know, your your job. It could like ruin your career to eat a brownie. That's yeah. that's extreme that's an extreme example. And and it was for the show, obviously, but I think the principle remains the same and it's what you're talking about.
1: I'm sure that she had a few of those things going on. In addition to just wanting to uh, focus on a family life kind of thing, I, I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff that she just thought, hey, I've done well with this. Um, I, I don't need to continue. Uh, but but I, I wanted to ask you, what's what's something that you have had to sacrifice with, with uh, the YouTube career that you've had? I mean, there's got to be something... Um, there's got to be something that, that you wish you didn't have to do. That's a really good question. I think
0: that anyone who is working a lot on something sacrifices a lot of personal life elements. I certainly think that I, I could stand to spend a lot more t- time just with friends and family that I don't. Because every single day something seems to pop up where it's like, got to take care of this, got to do that. And, and I like all of those things. So I'm not complaining, but at the same time, like you asked, what is something that I sacrifice? And that is just kind of having the type of social life that I think a lot of people have. I mean, I recall, maybe I've already, I believe I've already told this story, but I think it exemplifies the point when before I even started Vsauce uh, with Vsauce or doing YouTube full time, you know, and I was working at the chicken wing place after work, everybody would go to the bar and they'd all hang out, you know, all night until the bar closed, you know, drinking and, and, and having a great time. And I wouldn't do that. (laughs) I, I would go home after work. And I'd be the only one who didn't go out. So, you know, the next time at work, maybe I would hear stories on like, Oh, you know, you're not going to believe what Mark did or this happened with will and that sort of thing. And I'm like, ah, that's really cool. But I really want to work on my potato cartoons or, you know, weird blog posts or animations or whatever it was and that's a clear sacrifice cuz you're just you have to extract yourself from the social pressure of like hey why are
1: you so weird why don't you hang out with us <laughs> like honestly it makes sense but that's that's one of those things that has to go is, is you, you know you make choices about how to use your time on things um that's been for anybody who's in creative or uh any entrepreneurial kind of thing like it's the same whether you're like inventing a better diaper i mean it's it's still the same kind of thing where you spend a tremendous amount of time on that for a really long time before anything even happens and then when it, if there is success on something okay great you've been, you take all the work that you've been having Um, and then you like double, triple it, whatever. Uh, we've, we've talked about this in the context of, of YouTube things where, um, you, you grind and do this crazy amount of effort where you wake up and the first thing you do is, uh, look at your phone or something and, you know, see what happened while you were sleeping, go through this crazy day where you hope you get time to eat, uh, at a reasonable hour. And then you do something useful uh, at night until, until your eyes fall out, uh, which yours almost did. So uh, you do that day after day. And then when it finally hits for you, it's like, awesome. Let's take that process and turn it up to 11 because it wasn't hard enough already. Um, and you may or may not have the resources to make it easier. Some people can hire out a bit, uh, so that they actually, as they they succeed, they, they do less. Like, this is totally possible. Um, but it depends on the resources you've got. It depends on the type of uh, art creativity that you're doing. You know, I, I was talking to uh, an anonymous YouTuber about this this week. He makes videos that, honestly, nobody else could step in and do. Um, he can't He can't get help in the way somebody else could say, here, can you edit this for me? Or you deal with the audio. Um, The way he does his videos, there's no replacement. There's no somebody serving the information on a platter so that he can pluck it in his own style. Like, no, this dude's just got to make his videos. There's no substitute. Um, So not everybody can even get out of that grind, uh, and make it easier on themselves. And I can see, I can see somebody doing that for a long time in any field and just thinking I've done all right. And it is time to move on or at least not do this anymore. And I think that's totally fair. That that's
0: what struck me with the, the, the Nicki Minaj situation and what I respect about it, because it feels like at some point, And I guess Filthy Frank kind of folds into this discussion a little bit too. Yeah. But I wonder if at some point for creators, if they kind of feel like they've done the best version of their idea, then you either just kind of, and you were successful with it because there's also that element where I think that you do keep trying new things until, until you're successful. But if you're, if you're successful, with your idea, you know, you've done it to the best of your ability. Now what come, has got to creep into the back of your mind? I mean, I think that there are probably musicians and, and mm. so forth that just kind of churn out the same thing and, and, and it gets boring. And I think I don't think fans like that either. So it's this weird thing where, you know, like Seinfeld explicitly just stopped making that show. I think it was after nine seasons. Yeah. Because he was like, it's done. Like, we're done with the show. Like, I think I recall him saying 10 seasons just sounds too long. And it's just <laughs> like, he's like, doesn't want it to have to go to 10 seasons. So he just stopped it and it never got bad. It still holds up. It's still great. And since then, you know, Jerry has done his creators in, or sorry, comedians in cars getting coffee, which is, you know, wildly successful, but at the same time, kind of feels like a retirement project. You know what I mean? He's like, all right, I am a billionaire or whatever, hundred I like cars and I love talking to comedians. So why don't I do this show? Uh, and I guess I like coffee a lot too. So why don't we just kind of combine those things and this will give me something to do. So I'm not bored out of my mind because I'm a crazy creative person, but it gives me a project to work on that is really kind of like low
1: risk and people like. David Letterman did the same thing uh, where he's like, oh, I don't want to do this nightly show until I'm dead. Uh, I've had a good run here. How about I have long form conversations with really cool people? Uh, it's, it's a nice, it's a nice next step where that creativity gets channeled through. And I feel like that's, uh, that it's not a lot different than what we see with, with YouTube people like Shane Dawson went to long form stuff. Um, he shifted up his style quite a lot. Uh, we've talked pretty recently about iDubbbz doing that too. I don't know for a fact, but I imagine somewhere in the back of his mind, he was like, oh, I, I probably don't want to open up packages of sex toys that these people send me and like the weirdest things they find on Amazon for the rest of my life. Uh, you know, so he he does fewer of of those types of unboxing videos, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden, he does this really uh, deep, meaningful thing that's still really funny too. Um, that's channeling that that creativity, and I've seen I've seen you do it. I mean, you channeled it, uh, you channeled it into this podcast, and it's not because it's not because you threw up your hands and you were done with Vsauce 2. It's just like, no, no, there's something else that, that isn't in the same, like the same line of content as Vsauce too, but I still really want to do it. How do I channel that creativity in, in a way that will make me happy and keep me sane?
0: Yeah, I think the, one of the, the two main catalysts for doing this podcast are one, I like talking to creative people. I guess the way that, you know, Jerry Seinfeld likes to talk to comedians. I like to talk to YouTubers because they fascinate me just like on a very primal level. Like I think that being a YouTuber is weird and, and everyone who does it is pretty unique, which I think that we've discovered in every episode that we've done so far where everybody has pretty unique outlook and, and process on how they ended up, you know, making the videos that
1: they make. Um, we've talked to so many people in so many hours of it, and I cannot think of one single instance where somebody's described something about how they got to where they, where they are or how they do what they do now. And I've thought, oh, oh, okay. So we've heard that before. Like, it's not even close. Uh, and I think that we could do that for a hundred more people before we, we get some overlap on some single tiny detail, like. It will be as insignificant as somebody coming in saying like, I've always been obsessed with Apple products. And we're like, oh, so same with Justine. Uh, Like you have that in common. And then from there, the other 99.93% of the story is completely original. So yeah, it's it's always going to be totally unique. They're all unique snowflakes is what it comes down to. That is what it comes down to. Uh, And the other thing is, is I
0: like the idea of, of learning from other creators and then also hopefully people who are listening can also, you know, glean some kind of lessons from the things that, that you and I talk about, but also the things that we learn from the guests. But going back to like the Nicki Minaj theme, I I do want to mention Filthy Frank because, his story fascinates me where he, he could, could he could be doing filthy Frank today and be wildly mm-hmm. popular. No problem. Like, absolutely no problem. Like he would he would be like funnier and he would do, be doing more and more outrageous things. I mean he'd get he'd be demonetized. demonetized. Yes, he'd be totally demonetized. Yeah. Let's not, you know, uh <laughs> get that get that wrong. But Nevertheless, I don't think he would care about that if he was if he were still interested in exploring that character and making those videos. And clearly he is not what he wanted to do instead was launch a music career under a different name and do something that's just wildly, wildly different for really a whole, whole new audience. I'm sure there's plenty of overlap. Where, you know, people enjoy Joji and um, they came over from, from Filthy Frank. But I got to imagine there is a large swath of Joji fans that either don't even know who Filthy Frank is. Um, mm-hmm. And if they did, you know, maybe they wouldn't be huge fans of that because they're so different. That
1: I mean, that even happens – that even happens with the Create Unknown. I mean, I uh, talk to people in the Discord and and can tell, like, they know that Vsauce exists, but they're not Vsauce fans. They, they're they interested in the stuff that we talk about. And uh, they talk about, you know, making podcasts and YouTube videos and things like that. But they're just not into science and math stuff. So, uh it's, it's really cool to see that because the initial wave was people who who uh, wanted to listen to this show because they like listening to and watching Vsauce 2. Uh, and then all of a sudden it started to exist on its own. Um, they're not nearly as different though as what Filthy Frank has done with becoming Joji. Like that really is like, these are radically different paths. So, but it's still creative. It's still artistic. So my question is, what is your filthy Frank shift? What is your, what is your Joji? You yank the plug out of Vsauce 2 tomorrow. Um, oh, no, it should be more exciting than that. Michael and Jake, Michael and Jake, no, they threaten to kill you that's what that's what it is okay and the only way out of it is for you to quit vsauce too so you have to do this or they will kill you but you have all this bun you know all this creativity that's bursting you've talked about what you would do if there was no youtube and it wasn't like a creativity artistic kind of thing what's your joji shift
0: though i would i would write i would write books Yeah. yeah yeah i would definitely write books you know i started that process last summer I got, you know, 10 chapters of a novel down on paper. Um, Unfortunately, that has just been shelved since then, but I'd love to get back into that and to finish that. And yeah, I'm kind of obsessed with stories and storytelling, and I would love to dive into that more. That would definitely be my Joji thing is to just to be, I guess, a novelist. I, I wouldn't. I've done music in the past. You know, like I did have a band before YouTube even existed and I and I wrote and, and performed
1: songs a little bit. But I didn't know that you had a band. I knew that you did solo stuff. I didn't know that you had a band though. Oh yeah. What was your band called?
0: The band was called the Julius Orange and it was... I thought that it was you
1: doing the instruments and like re- mixing the tracks.
0: Not by myself. I mean, I had... I had a, you know, Orion Palmer was the drummer and and Brett Wilhelm was the bass player. It was a
1: trio. And we, I thought for like 15 years now, I've thought that, that you did each of those and then mixed them together. And I'm like, wow, this, this guy basically was doing everything on one album.
0: No, I'm not Trent Reznor. I don't, I don't know how to play the drums (laughs) and I'm not a competent. That's what, that's honestly what I've been thinking forever. Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we performed like live shows and stuff. But I couldn't go down that path because being a musician, you know, maybe it's different today for, like, the the Jojis of the world where you can do a lot of stuff on your own and then kind of, like, release it to the internet and then gain a following and do shows once you already have a following. But for 99.9% of of bands, it's just an endless slog of touring and playing live shows and, like, driving around in a van, literally – hoping that you sell a couple of t-shirts in, you know, South Bend, Indiana, or, or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. uh, that's not something yeah. that I wanted to do. Like, I didn't want to drive around in, in a van lugging equipment, so I didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> the other day I'm walking down the street and a whale comes up to me and the whale goes, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand whale song. What exactly are you trying to get across with that weird sound? And it turned out the whale wanted me to get an audio book from Audible called Musicophilia by Oliver Sacks. And I said, well, listen, I've already read that book. I read Musicophilia for my video, What is Music? The video used to be called The Human Bridge of Musicality, if you remember that. But at some point I changed the titles because I wanted them to be like a more cohesive series. If you go to Vsauce 2, you'll know what I mean. It's called The Invention Of series now. But look, Oliver Sacks, brilliant, brilliant guy. Musicophilia is all about uh, basically like people with brain conditions and how music affects their brain condition. And the whole point of it is that we learn a lot about the brain with how music affects these people. So you don't have to read it, though. You can just listen to it if you go to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. You get a 30-day free trial. You get to keep the book, you know, no questions asked. Nobody's going to... uh uh drop a whale on you if you cancel. So go to audibletrial.com slash the create unknown and check out Oliver Sachs. The guy's got a bunch of books that will make your brain smarter.
1: So there are a couple questions that go on top of what you've just been talking about? And and you're a, a decent person to answer this because you're not too far from, uh, from where some of these people are. Um, why do guys like uh, Ninja or PewDiePie who have a lot, like, you know, I don't know what their finances are. I don't know what their life is about, but we know that they're in a comfortable position, okay? Uh, we know that they don't have to, grind, you know, Monday through Friday to get a a paycheck, like to keep the lights on. Um, But they still keep going like they make a lot of content. I I forget the the hours that Ninja streamed in 2018, you know, when that stat came out, but it was insane. It was like basically the number of hours that that I'm awake in a year. So you get that and then PewDiePie is just churning out stuff. Why Why do these people, why do these people do it? Why does a, a Lily Singh, who has had a good career, why does she go on to, you know, do a daily or nightly show? Well, first of all, I'm not, no, I'm nowhere near <laughs> PewDiePie or Ninja. Like
0: I'm not in that, we're not even in the same arena. Like I'm in the, the other end of the parking lot in terms of, my, uh, my financial situation from, from those guys.
1: But I want to, I, I want to interrupt you and just be clear that like 3% of this is financial to me. 97% is having attained this, this great success, you know? And so if, if you decided that you were done tomorrow, you could look back on the Vsauce 2 catalog and say, I did a lot of really good stuff that people liked for a lot of years. Like it, I, I have achieved success on that and absolutely nobody would have any grounds to criticize that. So, you know, so it's not just like a living comfortably thing. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's like, okay, I've, I've made it, I've done my project, I've expressed my creativity and in a positive way. Um, why do you, why do you keep going?
0: Well, I mean, I can't answer that for those guys, but I do wonder that about, about those guys. They're both a lot younger than I am, especially Ninja. So I think a lot of that is Mm -hmm. just that dude has got a motor and he likes streaming and he's going to keep doing it because he's having fun doing it. And the fact that he can retire, not only himself, but his entire family tomorrow, I guess just doesn't matter. It's not appealing to him. He doesn't want to retire. He doesn't want to sit on the beach all day and, smoke cigars and sip my ties he wants to stream so and that's part of what has made him so successful is that this guy is a machine who is endlessly you know churning out content that that people enjoy and same thing with pewdiepie pewdiepie f- fascinates me in the regard that what will he do you know five years from now like what what is pewdiepie doing because i would have thought Honestly, that maybe he would have kind of scaled back the amount of content that he puts out by now because he certainly doesn't need the money and he doesn't need people's, you know, adoration. I mean, he's gotten a lot, plenty, you know, by, by continuing to go, he, he's gotten a lot of people's, um, ire for, you know, the missteps that he's fallen into, um, over the years.
1: Yeah, there's certainly a stronger focus on the, the smaller elements of what he does uh, as he's continued to go. The scrutiny has just been like cranked up on him. Uh, and that's got to be really hard. Had he stopped, had he stopped a while ago, he would have avoided all of that stress. Uh, but it's you can tell that he's having a lot of fun with the content that he's doing. Like he seems, if he's faking it, it is the best deceit on all of YouTube uh, because he seems like with the Minecraft stuff um, that he's legitimately enjoying <laughs> the, the things that he's he making. He has to be
0: because he doesn't have to do it. And that's like the point. Like he doesn't yeah. have to be doing this. He could just... You know, buy his beachfront property and do nothing. But I don't think people can do nothing. I think what happens, the thing, one of the things I've, I've always found really depressing are the musicians who kill themselves and how many musicians that I grew up with that have killed themselves, you know, from like the grunge era from obviously Kurt Cobain, but also Chris Cornell and lane staley and um scott wyland who who basically killed himself um just through him treating his body like trash treating himself like trash that that is another thing that i worry about like not for myself but i just worry about creative creative people Because I feel like there is that element, uh, like you said at the beginning of this, of getting to the top of the mountain, looking around and seeing that there's nothing there. It's like you climbed this crazy Mount Everest. You're at the peak and you're like, it's just emptiness. And then they fall into this trap of just feeling like there's nothing else around. And that's that's so depressing to me.
1: I want to, I want to float something here because we have talked about it in the past. Uh, You and I personally have talked about this for a decade. Okay. And it is that notion of what uh, uh, Durkheim, the sociologist called anime. And it's a sense that to sum it up on like a bumper sticker, uh, anime is not feeling like you have a place in the world. You look around at the world and you're like, oh, I don't fit my, I can't process my existence because there's nowhere for me. Um, And what we've talked about has been how creative people have an especially hard time with this. And if you think about what, what it means to be a creative, like by definition, you are making something that doesn't exist. That's why you're creating it because it's not there. You know, the musicians who, who don't, like who don't wind up killing themselves, the ones who like cover pop songs on Friday nights at a local bar, you know, like <laughs> those guys are happy because uh, they're not, they don't have this tremendous pressure to uh, to release an album that they hope sells like the last one or that they hope uh, everyone will respect them for. Um, same with novelists and say just any creative at all by definition doesn't fully fit with the world. And what they're doing is putting something new in the world that fits other people or that people will look at and say like, oh, oh, okay, this is a new thing that we that we want to fit with. Um, that can go really badly. And even when it goes really well, it is hard. It is hard as hell. So you do get these people who are on the top of the world uh who don't feel great about themselves or their life uh and you know we talk about the 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 ultimate difficulties when it's a Kurt Cobain type but most of the time it's feeling you know depression or something like that which is a life ruining thing that's that's hard enough um that's that's the the plight of the creative though is balancing out balancing out, not fitting with, not fitting with the world and then making something that does fit with the world. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's the, the weirdest juggling act ever. It really is. And some people can't handle
0: it after a while. And, and that's, I mean, that's a lesson that I've just learned over the years of people who are successful. Look at Anthony Bourdain, like yep. Anthony Bourdain could not have been more successful. He got to travel all around the world to the most amazing restaurants in the world, meet an endless amount of fascinating people who just roll out the red carpet for him. And the guy was, the guy checked out. He was like, you know what? I can't, I cannot be a part of this
1: anymore. Like, what is that? I don't know. It, it, I don't know enough about his situation. I don't know much of anything about it. But even when you don't feel bad about anything that you're doing like that, there's an element of pressure that other people don't have. Like non creatives don't have. They don't have to factor in any of this stuff or feel any of that pressure, ever. Like you just you just don't because you probably fit really nicely uh, with whatever role you've chosen, like you got a job that you must be able to do because you haven't been fired. So you fit there. Um, you, you do all of these things where, you know, might not be exactly what you, you hoped for, but you fit, you fit. Most people don't have to look around and think like, boy, does the world have a place for me? Uh, Creatives feel that pressure all the time, and most all of them deal with it just fine. A tiny little subset doesn't, uh, but it's a thing. That, that's what I, I'm trying to say, and it's frustrating. Sorry to go on so long about this, but it's frustrated me so much that we've spent two years, like we meaning the like YouTube and social media ecosystem, talking about burnout, and it's actually more complex than that there are elements of burnout that are the grind that we talk about and that's really tough and there are things you can do to lessen that grind um but there's some really top level like really crazy elements like uh like the concept of of anime and what makes things especially hard for creators and i haven't heard that discussion anywhere um the only time i've heard it is when you and i have talked about it um so I don't know. Well, it would be cool to know if if anybody thought that was uh, worth going into deeper in the future. Um, I think it is. I wish YouTube would just put us on stage for like two hours at VidCon and and have us explain the way this works to people.
0: or or if we could bring somebody on the show that is and that studies this deeply and we could interview, I would I would love to do that in a second that's that studies anime and or, or just you know creative brains yep. or whatever it is because it is like you said a topic that nobody it's just ignored it's either it's either ignored or unrecognized and both of those are our problem mm-hmm. uh, and I think that a, a, another part of it, let me get away from from creative for a second because I think an underlying part of this problem is somebody like Nicki Minaj or whatever, who's really rich and really famous and everybody, you know, adores her or whatever, has is not allowed to complain. And I've seen this on a tiny, tiny level. Like <laughs> Nicki Minaj is one of the most famous people in the world. I've seen it with, you know – YouTubers that have a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of the amount of fame complain about YouTube burnout and all they receive is a bunch of people being like, well, you have like the easiest life ever. All you do is like turn on a camera in your bedroom and, you know, that's not even a real job. You know what I'm saying? So that is to say that you're not even allowed to kind of complain about these things. So that's part of the problem. And let me steer it away from creativity for a second, because I learned something recently that I never thought of that blew my
1: mind. Can I, before you say it, can I interrupt you on something? Sure. Because I already have, you know how, how PewDiePie has the, the pee-pee, poo-poo kind of thing? Yeah. You know, pee-pee, poo-poo, very serious thing in the Discord. I'm saying this because if I don't do the first half of that in the next 30 seconds, my chair is in serious trouble.
0: Oh, oh, okay. I had no idea where you were going with that.
1: <laughs>
0: All right, after no. that after that brief interlude, what I was going to say is I, I want to make a couple of points. Mm-hmm. The first point is obviously people like Andrew Luck and, you know, Nicki Minaj are are paid wonderfully for, you know, the value that they have provided over the years. And, but the point is going back to kind of like the, in the anime discussion, money does not solve like problems of the human condition. You know, having $30 million doesn't replace Nicki Minaj having a family. So like you can't buy that. So what I wanted to talk about is this story that gets us a little bit away from, you know, creatives being unable to complain and actually tell you this story about a really rich person having a problem that they're not allowed to complain about. But you would never know about this problem. I mean, I never would have thought of it on my own is what I should say. So how could I tell this without like, being too explicit about who this is. So my father spoke with a person who is really rich. Okay. Like, like very, very, very rich like millions and millions and millions of dollars rich. This very rich person was remodeling one of their properties. Okay. Yeah. Um, and it's like a public property. So everybody knows about it. It was not like, their you know their cabin in the woods so they're remodeling this very public property and as a part of that remodeling process they're getting rid of you know like old doors or whatever like old furnishings okay
1: all the stuff that comes out of a property that you would get rid of to replace uh, all that stuff
0: yeah they have to get rid of all that stuff to yep. remodel okay so my dad asks this person, uh, he sees that they're just throwing it away. Okay. They're just throwing this stuff away. My dad gets upset about this because he wants it to be saved. You know, he, like, okay. he, he is a, a, an enthusiast of, you know, antiques and like restoring old properties. He's highly into that stuff. So he asks this person, whoa, what are you doing? I cannot believe that you are throwing these things away. These are really, really valuable and old and beautiful. And surely there's somebody who would take them. Yeah. And this person said to him, yeah, but if I give it to this person, then this person complains that I didn't give it to them. And if I give it to them, then this person complains that I didn't give it to them. And if I give it to that person, you know, so basically it's this weird thing where if you are really a rich person and you're giving your money to, uh, or you're giving something away to somebody, it invites this weird level of vitriol and criticism Mm. because you decided to give X to this person instead of that person. And, and I've seen that with um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, these guys who are publicly gajillionaires. And it's like, Hey, Elon Musk, why aren't you with all of your money and your resources doing this instead of that? And, and that criticism is endless Because any number of people can come up with any number of really important things that that money would go to help solve. And it's this weird dynamic that I never would have thought of where when you are in this position to be able to help. I don't know. Helping sometimes creates more problems
1: in a way. On the personal level, yes. It, that is something that we don't really have have much of a problem with, right? But like when when we go to the store and we buy something that is, let's say, frivolous, like a bag of Doritos, which we could all live without., uh, we don't need that thing in our life. The cashier doesn't pick up that bag of doritos and say, honestly, you're spending 350 on this when uh, like kids are dying of cancer somewhere. Like nobody hassles me about that, but I see this on, on Twitter and I, I see celebrities get criticized for uh, doing charitable things that are kind of niche like niche charities. You know, I I don't want to like throw out a specific example, Um, but somebody will do something can be as simple as this person does things for animal charities. And people will go in and say, like, it's great that you're helping cats and dogs, but like, what about actual people who are dying? Why aren't you why aren't you giving money to this or advocating for that? Like, we don't have to deal with that. It's extremely Difficult. And I've known people uh, as well who are in that same kind of position, and they end up, they kind of pull back and don't do anything, just like throwing away all that renovation stuff, because it's too hard to deal with the consequences of doing something. Um, This stuff gets really complex when you reach a certain level. (laughs) You know, it's, I don't think a lot of people fully. Fully appreciate that. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's it's nuts just thinking about those unintended consequences of success. And so when you see that Nicki Minaj say, "Uh, "Actually, I I think I would prefer to have a family," or maybe I, you know, she, she could have made that up, and she would. The truth is that she wants to just like watch TV for five years. Well, she's earned it. Uh, That's cool with me, too. Um, But it's there. There really are unintended consequences that people don't realize. They just they just don't. And we see celebrity like interaction horror stories uh, where somebody won't want to sign an autograph or take a picture or something. And and that's that's terrible that they don't have time for their fans. Yeah, well, they've probably been up for nineteen hours, and they just want to like eat uh, eat their meal at this restaurant for twenty minutes, which is surely all they have, and then be on their way without, you know, pulling up the energy to, to do this thing. And so it's it's tough. It's like that's part of the job too. Uh, you know that getting into it, uh, but but it's still it's still difficult.
0: Yeah. It doesn't make it not difficult. That's kind of the point is like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Like, oh no, this rich person can't decide who to donate their like antiques to like boo hoo. (laughs) Like I, I get that. Like I fully am on board with understanding like that's, you know, people have it a lot harder than that. The point though is that these there are these weird things that crop up when you talk about the um like donating to pets instead of animals and like Mm -hmm. the food stuff i got i get criticism anytime i do a video on vsauce2 that involves food Mm -hmm. where people think that i'm wasting the food and it's like i eat the food just because it's in the video Like, gosh, the the potato paradox got so many comments from people because at one point, like I threw the potatoes on the floor.
1: Yes, you brushed them off the desk, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, in my videos, if you watch Vsauce 2, part of the thing that I do is I do stuff on a table and then I throw it away when I'm, you know, (laughs) throw it off the table, I should say, when I'm ready to move on to the next demonstration. So when I'm demonstrating a thing with potatoes, I knock the potatoes on the floor. That doesn't mean they're bad. Like, they were still eaten. Like, the potatoes didn't, like, touch the floor and then, you know, go straight into the garbage can. Uh, They were cleaned and they were consumed. But nevertheless, there were all these comments that were just, like, seriously furious at me for wasting, like, $4 worth of potatoes. For wasting $4 of potatoes. They weren't wasted. They were eaten. When, you know, I could have you know, given them to somebody who needed it or whatever. And it's like, geez, Louise, like you're mad about something that That's isn't right. even true. That. You just they totally invented, invented it. This. Like you invented me being a terrible person. And now you're mad at this idea of me.
1: I don't want to make this weird connection or, or like equivalence on this, but what they're saying is what they're saying is that, 17 tiny potatoes is worth more than what humanity has gotten out of this video. Like that would be, that's the the opportunity cost here that they're calculating in their head. And that is honestly, that that is just dumb. (laughs) Like like That that is so dumb to have, uh, uh, to think like, I I don't know how many, oh, 3 million plus views on that video. It was say six, seven minutes long, uh, 20 million minutes. That's fair. 20 million minutes, uh, about a little over half a million minutes in a year. Um, eh, 36, 38, uh, 38 years of, of humanity has been spent on that video. And you're telling, you know, you're telling me that's not worth 17 potatoes that you ate anyway. (laughs) A hundred potatoes, but
0: yeah, still, um, I think that it was worth, yeah, like the $3 sack of potatoes that I used to illustrate a paradox and some, some fun math that yes, like 38 years worth of humanity spent time thinking about enjoying
1: and, and watching, but, No, no, it, you're only worth 17 potatoes. That's what it comes down to. That's what uh, the next time there's any negotiation or contract of any sort, I am going to insist on just whatever it is being 17 potatoes, because this man is worth 17 potatoes and the Internet has told us so.
0: <laughs> or like when I put the book on the pizza, people freaked out about that. It was oh, like
1: Oh, that was bad. Yeah, they really
0: went nuts. It did not get dirty. Like, it was a hardcover book. I put it on a cold pizza. Nothing happened. The book is fine. And and again, it's like your thing. It's like, is this video not worth more than a pizza stained book that nobody (laughs) is reading anyway? This obscure old (laughs) math text that I assure you nobody wanted except me to make this video about. And now, and now, people are furious, you know, around the world, that I placed this obscure book that was otherwise just collecting dust in somebody's house in God knows where, on a cold pizza for two minutes, which did zero
1: damage to it. Zero damage. It's not like you sacrificed the book for this pizza, and even if you had, it would have been fine. I didn't light it on fire. I,
0: I I didn't start just ripping the pages the out, yeah, and start eating them. Like, it, it just I placed it like politely on pizza because I I thought it was funny to do. I thought you know I had the pizza on the table. I didn't have any place else to put the book, so put the book on it. But instead, people get furious about that. I don't I don't particularly know like how we got down that rabbit hole of just kind of people complaining about like projections of problems. But but overall, the concept of, yeah, of being happy and satisfied as a creator with like what you've accomplished and being able to either try something else, you know, like Steve Martin, for example, he like plays banjo in like a bluegrass band. Like Steve Martin's not, not like cranking out movies because why bother even though he's one of the funniest people to ever live instead he spends his time like with his banjo band because that's what he's that's what he likes to do
1: i think he did a master class on the banjo on banjo playing he did one of those master class things that popped up for me as an ad on facebook um but i you know there there are these these things that you talk about with the project somebody really enjoys, and it's really kind of like a creative vacation, okay? Um, and it, it's when you talk about the the things that these people do that are more enjoyable than what they were doing, or it's just it's just plain what they prefer to do over the other things. Whether it's Seinfeld in his coffee and car series, Letterman talking to people, Steve Martin playing the banjo. That's their number one choice. They're all older guys, so they can afford to do this stuff in retirement. But that's kind of like a creative vacation. Um, there, but they're still working. <laughs> you know, like they're still being useful in doing it. Is is that because you can't ever stop? Yes. Like they they can't stop, can they? No, and you know what.
0: Conan O'Brien, when he lost The Tonight Show, or I don't know how you would phrase that, when The Tonight Show with Conan just imploded in on itself, he released, he went out on tour and they literally made, either the tour was called this or the documentary was called this or both. It was called Conan Can't Stop. That's literally what it was called because he can't stop. Like he just has this like little man inside his chest, like pulling the levers that causes him to have to constantly work on creating stuff all the time. And I think that that's, yeah, you're right that that's just part of what makes these people tick in a way that you can't turn that off. Like you, you can't just flip a switch for, for most people, the people who have done that before, Like Rick Moranis, I think, is a fascinating example of this because Rick Moranis, I love Rick Moranis. If you're not familiar with Rick Moranis, he was one of the most successful movie comedians in the 80s. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he started off doing kind of like bit roles. He was in Ghostbusters. You know, he did the movie with Dave Thomas, the SCTV movie Strange Brew, where they were um, you know, the Canadians Yeah Hoser, mm-hmm. like that movie. But he really blew up.
1: Honey I shrunk the kids Honey, was shrunk was the big, kids.
0: wasn't that? That was I think oh he was he was uh, Darth Helmet in Spaceballs. And he, <laughs> right. and yeah, I think Honey The Shrunk the Kids was really like his his bell cow. Like that movie was so huge, and then they did the the follow-up, Honey I Blew Up the Kid. But mm-hmm. he his his wife Uh, Passed away very, very young. And when that happened, he retired and he decided to raise his kids. And that was it. He was out. He I think that like maybe he's released like some sort of comedic music since then. But otherwise, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he has like some kind of album. But yeah, nobody really knows about it. He's not in anything other than that. He was just he packed up, he packed up his bag and I think just was done.
1: That was a long time ago. His kids are grown. They've got to be grown by now. So you'd think that, you know, you can, it makes sense that he would assume total parent role in that situation and, and make that switch. But I I don't know, maybe he's got grandkids or something and and likes, likes that. I I haven't kept up on, on Moranis lore, you know, but, um, he, he, I'm sure he's had opportunities to come back in the fold and he came out at his peak. I mean, he was killing it. It's not like this happened when his career started to wane and things slowed down and he decided to just give it up. No, he he was at like the highest he'd ever been. Like he was a household name. Everybody looked at him and knew exactly who he was. Uh, You know, you, you didn't even list off all of the huge things he was in. Like people know him from Little Shop of Horrors uh, as well. Like he had this string of things where he was always hilarious. Life had to have been pretty good for him on the career side. Um, but yeah, you're right. He, he just flipped the switch and that was that. He's the one person
0: I can think of that did do that. I can't think of anybody else. If, you know, if, if the listeners can think of anybody else that flipped the switch that way and, you know, leave a comment or or you know pop into discord i would love more examples of that cuz i find that is the exception it seems like yeah, really the rule is more like a conan situation where it's like i got to keep doing stuff or else i don't know what to do with myself can you stop do you think you could stop um no, I would. No, I think I would always have to work on some I would always have to work on something. I think I would always have to work on something, whether it was. You know, writing short stories or a comic or or just honestly writing funny tweets. I enjoy that a lot. I enjoy just coming up with dumb ideas to tweet you know, if that was the extent of it, maybe that would satisfy me. But the fact of the matter is, is that like ideas just happen for me. This is my experience. Ideas happen. And if I don't do something with them, I get irritated. Like I get frustrated and I don't know what I could compare that to for other people, but it's, it's almost like, (laughs) I don't know. It's like this, this itch that has to get scratched or else it'll just torment me. Even if it's just like a dumb joke that I have to tweet.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's great to have an outlet. Like what would you have done 20 years ago when you couldn't tweet that to the world? You would have like sat in your room and stewed at this joke, not being able to be released. Um, it's, it's awesome to have all that stuff now, but, I I think, you know, when I was thinking, can you stop? Can anybody stop? Like, I don't think anybody has to, because I think people, I think creatives inject that kind of energy, enthusiasm, creativity, whatever it is into virtually anything you do. Like, I think that Rick Moranis probably found a really funny way to wash the dishes uh, or something that like made him laugh as he was doing it. Uh, I, I knew people who were who kind of worked on logistics where every single thing they did, they liked the challenge of making it as efficient as possible. So, and this came up because of a weird way that that this kid crossed the street. He took an angle that that nobody else would have taken. Um, and it, it was much longer, much longer than if he'd just crossed the street and walked down the sidewalk. And I would say, why did you do that? You were in the street for like 18 seconds. He's like, well, I had to take, I had to take the the hypotenuse of the triangle between me, the sidewalk and the store. I'm like, oh, okay. Like you absolutely took the most efficient path to get there. And it probably saved him seven steps. Um, but that was his mind doing that all the time. Um, you know, as, as goofy as it is, that's what's going through, that's what was going through my head on, on the sardine thing is that I, I was doing this, this uh, sponsor stuff, you know, unrelated to Create Unknown, Vsauce2, whatever. um, And I, I was sitting there thinking like, what would be the easiest, easiest way to work with a sponsor? And in my head, it just pops like, oh, If that sponsor didn't exist and you just made them up, they'd be really easy to work with if they were only in your head. (laughs) That would be the best sponsorship in the world because you'd be just inventing it uh, minute by minute. Uh, and, And I, I look down and I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. L- I'm going to invent a sponsor. We're sponsored by Eagle Brand Sardines now. This is the best sponsorship deal I have ever been involved in because I have complete control over it. Um, so something as little and dumb as seeing some really cool patches and uh, whatever, that that process is still going for everybody, I think.
0: Yeah, because it's just how your brain works. I mean, that that's kind of what I was alluding to with like the the idea stuff is it's just like how my brain works so it's like while my brain is still working then yeah I probably <laughs> will try to find like some way to um, enact the ideas that, that 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 pop up it's just there's no choice
1: we I, I do want to ask some some specifics um, which I think we should do on the other side of the wormhole, because I okay. want to know the last time you actually shut down, the last time you did turn this off, and where where you would go, like on an actual on an actual vacation, if if that exists. Like, for, does does a vacation exist for for you? Um, like that sounds like a stupid question. It actually isn't. It's not. It's it's a reality of. How sometimes you can't turn off <laughs> like, um, and we have uh, we have a bunch of a bunch of uh, pretty good questions on uh, like a- Andrew wanted to know some specifics about looking back on vsauce 2 on some of your videos, which which having a couple years out, or even a couple days out um, may make you rethink some of them. And if you have rethought some of them, um, and and Jeff had a question too about uh, about those episodes, um, the ones that that you really liked, because some some are more fun than others. That's just the way it is.
0: Uh, yeah, and some I find just found the topic more compelling than others. So. So, yeah, we'll hit Andrew's question. We'll hit Jeff's question. If you ever want to ask us a question, just join the Idea Baby Gang so that your Idea Babies can be uh, answered on the other side of our wormhole. So um, unless you're joining us on the other side of the wormhole that exists at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown, we will see you again next week. For everybody else, we'll see you in very very soon. And uh, until next time.
1: Uh, See you, space cowboys. I'll see him in the Discord in like five minutes. Get in the Discord and we will see you in the Discord right now. Discord cowboys.
0: (laughs) 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 All right. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. There's more episode waiting for you, but to keep listening, sign up at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You could hear the rest of our conversation as well as unlock the ad-free feed, get exclusive content, join the idea baby gang, and more. So find us over at patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Thanks for listening to The Create Unknown. If you liked what you heard, and I certainly hope that you did, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast and leave us a review on Podchaser and Apple Podcasts. Those reviews really go a long way. While you're at it, you can also watch the video version of this show on youtube.com slash thecreateunknown. Check out our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. You can get the full episode. You can join the Idea Baby Gang, become one of the known, access creator services. There's a lot going on on our Patreon. It's all part of phase three of TCU. So go to patreon.com slash thecreateunknown. Follow us on social media. We tweet at createunknown. We're on Facebook and Instagram at thecreateunknown. You can follow me, Matt, and the show on Podchaser for podcast updates. You can also find a link to our Discord in the show notes. We love our Discord because we get to talk to you and you get to talk to us. So join our Discord. Our website is thecreateunknown.com. The Create Unknown is an unknown media production. We've been your hosts, Kevin Lieber and Matt Tabor. Check out what we do on YouTube at Vsauce2 and on Twitter at Kev Lieb and Tabor TCU. Links in the show notes. Executive producer is Dave Kiney. Our theme songs by the incredible Mega Drive. Special thanks to Paula Lieber, Mo Lewitt, and Dorothy Kiney. Until next time, see ya Space Cowboys. Once again, this episode was brought to you by Audible. Pick up your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash thecreateunknown. Do it. Your brain and your ears will
1: thank you. Patreon.com slash the create unknown. It's
0: like an elephant for your ears. That makes no sense.